Do you remember the first time that you read uh, one of the scary stories books? Well, I would have been a kid, so uh, and my memory's not fantastic, but I definitely of us. I'm of a certain age that I was definitely reading these same uh, the same time a lot of other people were. Um, the third book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the third book of the series came out in 1991. I would have been 11 years old, so I probably, you know. Uh, was reading those right when they came out, and, and then you know I read R.L. Stein, a lot of Goosebumps and Fear Street, and then by middle school I moved on to Stephen King. But you know um, I definitely uh, remember these books very fondly. Um, I actually, if I, I, I reminding myself probably in my twenties. You know, I'm uh, about to be 39 now, but I, I definitely remember these in my 20s, kind of fondly remembering, oh, yeah, the, those illustrations were great. And probably the thing I remember the most, though, was the uh, the source material on the back of the books, because I just, that's just kind of how my head is wound. I find it interesting. Okay, these are really cool stories. They're all you know, come from folklore, and then in the back they they gave you know Alvin Schwartz, the author, went into great detail about you know all all kinds of variations and where the stories came from, and I just found that really interesting. And when was it about the time where you decided that you wanted to make a documentary based on uh on the books? Well, it was about five years ago. <laughs> it's been a long journey. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I my, based on my background and interest, I kind of had in mind doing a full-length documentary on generally literacy and, and books and children's books and, and kind of the importance of getting kids reading at a certain age. Um, of course, you you want you want that to hinge on something, right? You want a story, and and when I thought about these books. Um, and I knew there was a fan base there. You could tell. You could you could see it on social media. You could just see. Wow, a lot of people very fondly remember these books. Um, on top of that, um, there's there was a certain mystique about them because um, unlike you know I interviewed R. L. Stein and a number of other children's book authors for this. Um, He's been interviewed a million times, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, which is great. But at the same time, there's a certain mystique with these books because um, the author passed away shortly after the third book. And the illustrator kind of famously does not uh, or it's come to me to be uh, I've know, gotten to know very well the fact that he doesn't do interviews. And um, and so there was a certain, you know, information uh, you know, whole or mystique around these books that people talked about them a lot, but no one knew too much about them. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, it's arguably the most challenged children's book or book in general of the last 40 years. It was number one uh, most challenged book of the 1990s and remained in the top 10 between 2000 and 2009. So, you juxtapose those things together. You have something that's wildly popular, and it was heavily challenged. Right there, I knew there was a story there. It's like I, I, I you know, there's a lot to to figure out, but I, I definitely knew, hey, that's a topic that I could spend a ton of time going in different directions, and have make for it makes for an interesting story. Apart from trying to find out more information about Stephen Gamble, because he's famously um, uh, closed. 
Mm -hmm. uh, what were some of the other challenges you faced uh, getting this off the ground? Oh, um, well, I mean, uh, with a documentary this expansive, right? I mean, you have 82 stories, uh, stories in a few, uh, like songs and, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, it, it can go all over the place. Okay, hey, I'm not going to be able to cover all, all 82 stories and, and, you know, um, and I can't go to every location or, or go figure out every source, you know, from of every story and that sort of thing. So there was a lot of just kind of, and that's to some degree, you know, you 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 get somewhat of a wide net, um, and then in the editing you figure out, okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I I want this to be a manageable, okay, um, I, I want this to be interesting for even people that aren't familiar with the stories. It's a fun hour and twenty five minute something but also very interesting and we get into the censorship piece and so on and so forth so it's kind of you know taking something that really to be honest you could spend a lot more time with and you know on the dvd there's an extra 20 minutes and i have some ideas of using various other footage um just to kind of like you know put it out there to say hey this was an interesting avenue it, it didn't quite make the cut but you know maybe it's a a, a you know five minute long you know something on YouTube or whatever, you know, I'm still kind of figuring that out. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, definitely from an editing standpoint, kind of, uh, kind of working off, working out the expectations between hardcore fans who maybe could, would want you to spend a long t amount of time on certain things. And then, and then just kind of realistically saying, okay, you know, what, what, what can I, what can I fit here, you know, in a in a time frame that makes sense to me, and um, yeah, and then when you start talking about a lot of different stories, like I said, a lot of different locations, okay, you know, but I don't, my budget is not unlimited, I can't go everywhere, so let's, uh, you know, so trying to figure out, you know, on a on a limited budget, what what can we do, you know, in a few in a few trips, a few things, and I went all over the U.S. I went to both east both coasts as well as made a trip in the Midwest here. And so uh, definitely kind of jumped around. Same thing with the censorship piece. I mean, you could go, you, there's a whole different documentary that it should exist in, in, in some ways, you know, this bits and pieces of it in other documentaries where you could spend, you know, a good amount of time really delving into that. I, I, that was only about, you know, a third to some degree of what this, this this particular documentary is, because I there were the other things to cover, but um, you know you could you could spend a lot more time talking to librarians and people who are on the other side of the the argument and and so on and so forth. Me, I tried to package it into a particular story that you know made sense for me. You know, uh, when it comes to the people that you interviewed about the censorship piece, whether it be the uh, the academics that were pro having this book in schools and the PTA members that were staunchly against uh, children seeing this, uh, how receptive were they to being interviewed on camera about this, this interesting time in the late eighties and early nineties? Surprisingly, I, it went okay. I mean, I, I'm relatively proud of how things worked out, but it's, it is a tricky thing to, to navigate. Um, there's no doubt about that. Now, Admittedly, you know the the people that are kind of uh, questioning 
um, whether these sh books should be in schools or elementary schools, um, so on and so forth. I mean, the, there's different categories of them as well as on the other side. I'm sure you could come up with different categories of how staunchly they believe in, you know, anti, you know, banning anti-censorship, so on and so forth. But, you know, in, in this case, I mean, there's definitely cases where, okay, I don't think these books are necessarily, you know, a gift from the devil and, you know, they're demonic and so on. I mean, there's people that go that far. There's, uh, there's plenty of other parents and PTA mothers and so on and so forth where it's more a matter of they don't belong in elementary schools at all, right? And then you could, you know, go down further, I mean, you know, and, and you know, debate whether – uh, all kinds of things. It, it, it gets into a lot of interesting arguments, and definitely, what I found helpful was to say, okay, you know, in, in plenty of cases, they're talking about age appropriateness, and okay, uh, I have an eight-year-old, and I admit, he, he I, I wouldn't put, have him read this because I know he can't handle it, and he's, he, he, he can't, he's, he tried a few minutes of the. Um, Goosebumps movie, and we said, "Nope, I'm out." <laughs> you know, and so, and that's fine. You know, I don't. I, that's he's only eight years old, and you know, if, he there's a he he knows what he can handle and can't handle, and that sort of thing. So, you know, do I? I, I think there is a conversation to be had, and that's honestly kind of was my purpose. Um, was not to necessarily settle the issue because that's not realistic, but mm -hmm. to to kind of get it get the issue and the conversation going with more people. So so using a popular title like "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark" um, gets a lot of people in the door checking checking out the story behind these books and then you open up a can of worms okay you know <laughs> did you know about this did you know about that so on and so forth and that's in some ways that's what alvin schwartz did with these books right he he you know people kind of put him alongside authors like rl stein well uh, this is this is a title that's a little different because because they're all take, taken from folklore and urban legends and there's a lot of interesting you know themes and things you can you under the surface that can be talked about and that's what he did with the source material so um you know in a, in a, in some ways that's what i felt like i was doing with this documentary okay i'm going to give you what you want we're going to have some fun we're going to talk about a big nostalgia title that a lot of you remember and i hope you'll appreciate that and have fun with that but then i'm going to give you something else maybe you didn't know about mm -hmm. Something I noticed, I was thinking about, you and, you and I are about the same age. Uh, like, the, there was a time between, like, 1990 to 1993, some of R.L. Stein's early books were very graphic before his Goosebumps series uh, began. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that the, um, that the battle that Alvin Schwartz had to face with the schools kind of uh, forged R.L. Stein to take more of a, a friendlier approach or towards – towards parents with his uh, Goosebumps series, or do you think these are just kind of disconnected uh, I, things? Uh, it, it's hard to, hard to, uh, to, to, to look at any one decision and, and say, okay, it, it is a reflection of this other thing that was going on. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to think over time, I mean, to some degree, I think him and his publishers probably were figuring out along the way, and that's how they came up with multiple different uh, um, 
book series that cater to slightly different ages, right? He's got now he has mm-hmm. Fire Street. Okay, Fear Street. Now I can maybe be a little edgier there, but and Goosebumps is more for the younger crowd and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, I I think um, that's most likely I would like to. Th- and in fact, in some ways, that's what Alvin Schwartz did. Uh, many people very fondly remember um, one particular story and always attribute it to the scary stories to tell in dark books. Uh, it's the Green Ribbon story, which mm-hmm. is is by Alvin Schwartz. He he did put it in a book, but it's in a different book for younger readers. Um, in yeah, a dark, we've dark got, room. We've got that book here. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And so right there, there's an example like he didn't, he, he didn't, I, I feel like he didn't live long enough to, you know, go in that direction. But I feel like that was the seeds were already there where they were, all the authors were kind of talking about, okay, you know, kids are naturally, you know, interested in reading scary stories in different ways. But let's, let's kind of go in a couple different directions and, and have some be more for slightly older kids that can handle certain things. And then one for younger kids that can handle, okay, I want to, uh, to be a little creepy, but, you know, um, maybe I can't quite handle it too much more than that, so on and so forth. Um, I think they were figuring that out, and mm-hmm. I, I, I generally think, compared to the 80s, um, uh, publishers probably have figured that out more, which is to say, you know, they're not opposed to a lot of things catered to different, you know, kids at different age groups. They're just kind of like, okay, let's, especially now the internet, okay, parents are going to look this stuff up, so let's let's try to just be upfront with, okay, how much... How graphic is this versus this, and what generally do we think this age group is for? Although, admittedly, that's a flawed, <laughs> it's a flawed system, but I, I can't blame them for at least attempting to to be a little more upfront with it. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, did you notice when you were speaking to uh, the adults uh, or people that were uh, were adults during during the time of the uh, the books first being published? Uh, that they they were encountering more people that were against the books without even having read them. Um, I think that was there. Yes, I definitely you know whether I heard it directly or just um, uh, read people talking about them and that sort of thing. I, I think um, yeah, I think uh, you know the general sense I got and and I know at least some people made points to say to some degree it. It was being objected against more because it was wildly popular than for, you know, specific content, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Plenty of people had not read it. They just knew, okay, I heard what's in there, and and this is reflective of, you know, stuff that shouldn't be in our schools, period, at all, so on and so forth, and so, you know, um, and uh, what we kind of get, get into to a certain degree is the, this idea that, okay, back then it kind of makes sense. You know, it was a kind of what they call satanic panic type situation where there are a lot of people in the news talking about cults and Satanists. And so, you know, is it that surprising that, you know, the most challenged book of the 1990s was something that touched on, you know, dark things, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that most of it was, you know, has been in Grimm's fairy tales and a lot of others, you know, uh, dark tales that we've told children for many, many years, right? So, um, yep. 
you know, it's it's not something that is is that new, but it makes sense that at a, that particular time that was just something that was being drawn to parents and and people were objecting to it, right? Um, these books are not a they haven't been the original ones were were published between 1981 and 91, so they're not although we they do re-release them, they're not quite uh, you know prominent on this as much as other titles, but also more than anything else, I would argue that um, nowadays we have like LGBT and other titles that are being questioned and put on the challenge book list and so on and so forth more because let's look at what's in the news nowadays and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and it's a little more reflective of that than, you know, what's, what is, you know, particularly, you know, questionable now how it's now different than 30 years ago it's it's not it shouldn't be necessarily it's more of a reflective of you know our culture and and the news and what we're talking about nowadays it's an interesting parallel to look back at trying to ban a a horror book series aimed at kids and now we hear people starting trying to say well we need to also censor classic literature you know uh, Huckleberry Finn and and whatnot, just because there is quote unquote objectionable material in there, even though it was appropriate for the time it was written. Censoring censoring any books or taking them away from children, just in my mind alone, is very wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, just, what, 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 I have what, a daughter, what, so I just I don't see any yeah. I don't see anything on my bookshelves. Uh, that I would say, no, you are not allowed to be exposed to this material. Yeah, I mean, you know, a point that was made, um, you know, and uh, could go on and on about is, you know, this idea, okay, some of these stories aren't nice, okay? And I'm not going to say this is a nice story where nice things happen or, you know, so on and so forth, but that, you know, is that what we limit our our kids to only stories that have nice things that happen you know it's uh you know at some point they they need to learn that you know what the world isn't always nice right and mm-hmm. uh and th- these things need to be you know talked about at some point now you know admittedly different we're talking about parenting i've got kids you've got kids so on and so forth we all you know, have to live in a society where we're all our individual parents. And so, you know, I, I, I think if I do want to censor my kid, I guess, yes, I guess as a parent, I'm allowed to do that, right? You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, um, I, I'm not letting my kid, you know, go out and watch a, you know, NC-17 movie, you know, there, there, there are different lines, right? And <laughs> we have to live in a society where we have to be parents, uh, you know, and be able to have a certain amount of censorship, you know, <laughs> over our own kids. That said, like I said, we live in a society. We go to, you know, public schools, and so we have to make these decisions together. And, you know, a different parent doesn't necess- doesn't get the right to censor my kid. And so it's a it's a tricky tricky thing, right? It's it's it, I I like to think I painted some nuance there, even though, you know, admittedly, I think the end result is pretty positive about these books definitely and, and kind of showing that a lot of people got a lot of benefits from this book series. Um, so it, it, we should question, you know, question other titles, right? Question, okay, you know, the, one that's popular on the censorship 
piece nowadays uh, is Captain Underpants, which is one of my kids' favorites, right? And it's it's silly and it's, you know, so on and so forth. And there's de- definitely, you know, all kinds of things. I'm not saying we should, you know, um, uh, encourage that said. Um, you know, I'm glad that my kid is taking an interest in reading. And if it means having, you know, uh, a character named Professor Poopy Pants. Um, um, that's fine. Whatever, you know. Let's get the kid reading first, you know. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I, I had a point. I just, I just lost it. Just, it started to rain. All of a sudden, I was like, "Ah, oh, crap! Did I, <laughs> did I roll up my windows?" Um, <laughs> um something I noticed uh, when you were interviewing um, Alvin Schwartz's son is. Mm-hmm. There seemed this is not this is not a fault of you as as a filmmaker, but I noticed that he he seemed very detached. Like there was just it seemed like we could have gotten more information, but he just wasn't willing to divulge it. I don't know if that was a case because of their strained relationship or or something else, but I feel like I didn't learn as much about Alvin Schwartz as I should have, and. I just don't know if he wanted to divulge that information or he was very reserved or, or what? I mean, I think it's a tricky thing. You know I mean? I, I can't imagine being in his situation talking about a, a parent who passed away a, quite a long time ago and, mm-hmm. and, and had a, a, a fractious um, relationship with, um, but also was being very honest about it. I mean, like I just, I, you know, so it's 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 a it's a tricky thing and and at the mm-hmm. same time like you know as much information as we got I, at the same time um you know uh there's a certain amount that i i feel like is also a little bit lost to time you know um mm-hmm. uh, i was told about you know video that in theory exists but i never got it um, I couldn't find it. I don't. I, I imagine it doesn't exist anymore. You know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, at least twenty, thirty years later. And so, um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I I don't know. I felt like at the end of the day, he he was very forthcoming. And there's definitely things that exist that probably is uh, things that end up being in the. Uh, some of the DVD extras and things like that, that, you know, cause I spent hours with them. So there's a lot of details there that yes, admittedly uh, from an editing standpoint, didn't quite get there cause I was working for a, a certain um, uh, flow and, and, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to keep a certain amount of interest. Like I was saying earlier, it's like you're trying to balance, you know, uh, uh, how much to, to, to cater to people who would like this to be a three-hour documentary and others who, you know, uh, want to keep engaged and want to know the story, but an hour and 25 minutes is, is about enough for them sort of thing. Um, oh, so yeah, I don't I, know. I agree. It was a very well-done documentary. You did, you did do a very good job. Um, and one of the biggest things is the books are no longer about the author or the artist. They're about what it is to the community. It belongs to all of us now. Mm-hmm. And you did a great job of showing how it influences art and influences culture and how even the stories themselves, even though they're more or less geared toward kids with a little bit of an edgy side, they are, some of them are morality tales, important morality tales. And mm-hmm. that's something that, 
I very rarely seen discussed when discussing the Scary Stories book. Very rarely do you ever hear anyone say that this tale is a morality tale for <clears throat> for adolescents in love and engaging in some some semi adult things, you know, like mm-hmm. the the story of the hook, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I was, it was it was great to see that kind of topic brought up in your documentary. Cause like I said, it's it's rarely talked about when you're discussing these books. It's always about the art or always about the gory stories, but never about the subtext. Sure. And that, like, I mean, there's just generation after generation we go into, okay, what are the cautionary tales of uh, of different time frames? You know, the ones like The Hook and um, uh, The Babysitter, you know, the call coming from upside, uh, upstairs, the calls coming from upstairs story. Um, that stuff totally bore out of like the 60s and 70s 50s 60s that time frame where you know young young adults are being left at home by themselves new technology like phones are being left there and there's there's that here's the cautionary tale when you're being left at home and you're just a teenager you know um here are the things to to keep it okay you're it's the 60s now, and, and teenagers are actually getting the ability to drive out by themselves. Here's a cautionary tale. If you go parking, you know, on Lover's Lane, here's uh, here's what might happen to you. I mean, so so you've got, you know, that time frame. But then you go back even further, then you're talking about Hansel and Gretel type stuff, right? Okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, some old lady uh giving you candy, here's what could happen. You might end up in an oven, right? Um, yep. the, the the story that's in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is um, uh, the um, uh, the drum, which is in, somewhat similar, right? Two mm-hmm. little kids go to the village. Um, you know, there's a, a, there's a girl who says, you know, here, um, here I've got this neat little drum, this little thing that they think is really neat and they really want to see it. And she says, well, you have to go home and be bad. And, um, and it kind of progresses. You're not bad enough. You need to go home and be really bad and so on and so forth. And, um, uh, and eventually they go home and they find that their mother has turned into some creature. Uh, um, it, 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 that's very Hansel and Gretel, very German-esque, where it's like, okay, you know, um, be care- you children going out there, be careful of the people you come across, um, be careful of strangers. Um, now, what I get into a little bit in the documentary is, okay, whether it's Hansel and Gretel or the drum or some of these other stories, oftentimes it has to do with be fearful of people that are different from you, right? Um, mm-hmm. Be fearful of, of uh, you know, other types of people that eat weird things or do do strange. In the case of the drum, it's a um, uh, a um, uh, gypsy. It's described yeah. as a gypsy. Why would it have been a gypsy, right? I mean, again, that's that's some of the stuff that I found the the most interesting and most most fun to go down. Now, again, there's like 82 stories. We we kind of I tried to packages a little bit to something that was a little more digestible but that was kind of the fun one of the fun things for me honestly because my degrees are all in english literature and i just find it fun kind of delving into the stories we tell and and some of the underlying meanings you know Uh, one of the stories that i've always wondered the origins of and i don't think it's in the back of the book it's a a me tai doty walker Mm -hmm. Um, did you uh, 
upon making this film, did you happen to discover the the origins or the meaning behind that particular story? Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, there's a little bit of a dead end. It was. It didn't. It wasn't quite as full as some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely found a, uh, a previous, and I'm not going to come up with it off the top of my head, but I did at some point find like, okay, here's a, here's a previous version of it, um, but I didn't go as far enough to to go, you know, even further. And mm-hmm. but uh, but that is one that oh gosh, let me see, that is definitely oh did it make no, it's DVD, it's DVD. But I remember <laughs> that that was one. That, I mean, that's the that's the tricky thing with you know, a, a, a book series that has 82 stories. So, you know, uh, what what I found a lot of is people saying, oh, well, you must, I assume you're going to talk about this story, or I assume you're going to talk about that story. And admittedly, it was about a dozen there that I heard over and over again, right? And so definitely I started to form like, a, okay, I've got to have a greatest hit. I, I've got to touch on certain ones, but it was, it's more than people think. Everyone assumes, oh, no, it's only this story and this story that anyone ever remembers. But guess what? It was always different stories that people mentioned. I, I, I say it wasn't 100% different stories, but, you know, there were, you know, at least a dozen, I would say more than close to 20 that's like, okay, you know, these are very memorable ones, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it was it was a tricky thing. And what I did in some cases was collapse some into, okay, here's a, here's a theme that, that I found. And, you know, here's a little interesting direction we can go for a little while, you know. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's definitely – and Me Tai Dodie Walker is, is definitely one of the ones where it's like that's a – that's a uh, that's a phrase that I hear people kind of jokingly say. Same way with um, um, oh gosh, um, uh, the um, slithery bee. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the slithery bee, which is another. That's a more fun one. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of them. You know, and so uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, if someone wants to, you know, talk me into doing a sequel, then maybe we can cover more stories. You know. <laughs> Especially the ones that have historical context, like the the Wolf Girl, and mm-hmm. uh, some of the other ones that are like that, that you can actually you can trace down an actual person that's associated with the story, are, are some of the more interesting ones. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find and, that the that the ones that people remember more have to do more with uh, with Gamble's artwork or with the stories themselves? I think it's a mix. I really do. I mean, there's uh, you know. Um, uh, I, I, I'm one of those. What, what I'll say is, I think I, I, I have come to the belief, but that they should not be separated the, uh, anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. it, they just have become so tied together. Um, you know, you could let's. It, it's like saying, okay, you know, let's take a, a some other famous example. Let's take out this character w- w- and or t- divide it into two different stories. This story this book has these things and this book has these other things which is going to be more uh, more popular or more memorable it's mm-hmm. it's really um you know it's it's really hard to tell you know i mean i think um harold is one that comes up a lot right mm-hmm. and um and the, the illustration of course is fantastic but you know what a point i've made before is that harold wouldn't exist as a story as a pop culture you know entity if it wasn't for Alvin Schwartz. I looked up, I went to the library where he he found the story and it's in just a big huge 
collection of random stories. <laughs> and I guarantee you, you know, if it wasn't for him plucking that up and, and re- doing a certain rewrite of it, because it wasn't exactly the same, definitely, um, if it wasn't for him, no one will have heard of Harold, and he wouldn't be like a, a boogeyman in the same way that a lot of uh, people our age, and now I feel like with the adaptation, it's going to be even more so. A lot of people, well, Harold is, a, is the next Freddy Krueger or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, he wouldn't... He wouldn't there would be no Harold if that hadn't have been plucked out of obscurity and put in those books. So uh, the same with the pale, the pale woman that we saw yeah. so much in, in Del Toro's uh, adaptation. Yeah, that's a, that's a somewhat random, random story. Very well done. Very creepy. But I don't know if it's not like the hook that you know the hook would be. I mean, that's been done. That has been done previous, and that's a big urban legend and. And, uh, you know, it definitely fits in scary stories to tell in the dark, but that that didn't need, particularly need Alvin Schwartz to kind of give it a life because it already had a life, right? Um, but, yeah, yeah, there were definitely a number of those where it's like if he hadn't kind of found a, a, a folktale somewhere and, and repackaged it in that way, then they wouldn't have a life. <laughs> um as far as when uh, people can can see or or purchase the documentary, where where will people be able to go and uh, get their hands on it? So May seventh, it's coming to VOD. So it's going to be you know if you search, it's going to be on a lot of different you know common ways to get it on VOD on May seventh, and then July sixteenth, it'll be available on DVD. And it's in playing in a few select theaters uh, this month, basically April and into May. Um, it's just a, a few cities, so you know you could definitely look and see if it's playing at a local uh, uh, theater. But um, but mostly kind of nudging people starting May seventh. Anyone can just get online and and you know get it. Uh, for the DVD, uh, can you tell me uh, some about the some of the extras that are going to be available on it? Sure. Um, it's about 20 minutes. It's, it's a number of, like, little things, like three to five minutes, things like in a dark, dark room. I just, you know, it was kind of a tangent. It's a, it's a very important tangent for many people because many people remember that, you know, book for youngers, uh, younger kids. Um, uh, so, you know, there was something like that that I was able to package and say, okay, let's, let's get into that because, you know, uh, Barbara Schwartz, uh, 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 wife of the author Alvin Schwartz, you know that she's got her favorite story in that one, and she talked a little bit about that. And um, uh, yeah, and then there were a few, a few things where it's a story that you know didn't quite make the cut, but it was, it was a nice little something. Um, same thing with uh, um, you know uh, some censorship pieces that just, like I said, didn't quite make the cut, but at the same time, I found it really interesting. And you know, uh, but like I said, it's over 20 minutes. Okay. All right, Cody. Well, oh, oh, sorry. And I, I, sorry, I was just oh, going to say, I, and I forgot, I do have a full uh, a narration of it. So if anyone, like, is intrigued by all kinds of, like, you know, scenery that we did and things like that, I kind of go into all kinds of tangents uh, with the, 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 uh, the narration of, the, of it.